Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Train Like a Trooper. I'm your host, Sarah Stewart, along with my co-host, Trooper Eric Foster. And we're kind of expanding this week on a topic that we first touched on last week on our new officer assistance program. You heard from Trooper Danny Long. You heard his story and kind of, in general, his plans for the Oklahoma Highway Patrol Officer Assistance Program. And so Trooper Long is back with us today, and he brought a special friend with him. Um, Amy Morgan is the COO of Academy Hour. We say that because you guys joke around a lot. You, you, I can tell you guys My are close. Friend. We are. We're all right. He's all right. <laughs> I can tell that you guys get along. Uh, <laughs> and Amy's gonna, Amy's gonna play an, an integral. Her company is going to play an integral role in this in this new program that we're that we're going to have. And so, Danny, I know at the end of you know last week's podcast, we kind of. Kind of said in general, you know, the plan that you have for the officer assistance program. Kind of go over that again. What what this is going to look like. What your hopes are for this program, and 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 then kind of how Amy's company is going to play into that. Okay, so I can't remember where I left off exactly, but I'll start with the beginning. And so this is going to be a disruptive plan, uh, if you will. I think I used radical last time. It, it's it's both. No other agency in the country is gonna, that I've found is doing anything quite like what we're about to do. Um, it, it comes in about three different phases. Uh, the first phase we hope to be accomplished um, within the first six months or less. Um, and it's going to look like this. Uh, fir- first phase is getting every commissioned officer, trooper, along with um, several other members of our agency in communications and, and even private um, people certified, I'm sorry, trained in, in peer work. So why are we doing that? I briefly went into my story and, and when I really started understanding what happened to me um, throughout a series, well, throughout my career, I, you know, I, I started learning uh, during the peer certification training of, of what it looked like, felt like, tasted like, and I had a visual of everything that I'd went through that I, I didn't know what was going wrong with me, uh, what I was feeling during those times. So um, my goal is this uh, with, the, with the peer training. We can do better self-assessments on ourselves and our partners uh, throughout our career, um, because there's there's no better source uh, outside of our spouse um, to, to you know judge our baseline day to day, month to month, to see how we're reacting to our job, how we're handling ourselves at home. Uh, so, so that's phase one, um, and it's going to look like how how we're going to push this training out. It's going to be in the form of academy hour, uh, online training. We're also going to offer uh, in classroom, uh, person to person. And the reason for that is this, our, our agency is so widespread with so many people, not centralized. We, we want to make this as efficient and effective as possible. And I think I spoke on those two words, uh, last podcast. So we want to offer this through, through multiple vessels. And, and you know what, there's really no rules to this. So we're going to gauge our, our own effectiveness 
as we push this out, um, how we're being effective. It, are we truly making change? So that'll be a constant uh, eval we're doing throughout the whole process. That's phase one. Um, do you want to talk about phase one and how your implementation on the online process? Sure. So we have the online training. That's that's a lot of just information. Um, you can get you know training on PTSD or suicide prevention, that sort of thing. The peer support training um, that I have is a certification. So peer support leaders and peer support teammates go through. They go through this online series of, of video trainings, and then there's an exam at the end which gets them certified, and then they can use CPSL, Certified Peer Support Leader, Certified Peer Support Teammate. The leader training teaches them how to then select and re recruit, select, train, build the peer support teammates and the peer support team as a whole. Um, we're going to we're going to modify our training somewhat to fit you guys' needs, which is to we also have what's called an academy, our certified instructor. So we can teach people to teach our curriculum. So training officers, academy instructors and so forth. We're going to use that method to take to get some instructors on board to be able to go all over the state so cover the state rather than me going and teaching everywhere. So um, we'll get uh, DPS instructors ready and trained to teach the peer support training. So we're going to help build the peer support team with the, the full training. And then Danny's, what I think is a brilliant idea, is wanting to put everybody through Hold on, say that a shorter again. version. <laughs> Danny had this idea it's now and it was, it's now it was all right. We have her on record. We had it. I like that. Can we play Danny that Danny had a brilliant idea. I'm say it again. Thank I you. actually think it is a brilliant idea. Thank you to train every employee, and not just commissioned in my opinion, it is every employee how to do some modified version, shortened version of this training. Some people learn online, some people learn on site better. It's, so we're gonna fit both of those learning styles. But also because you have all of these people who are working together, they may not be the formal peer support team or OAP team, but if they understand what it looks like, someone could have maybe recognized, you heard Danny's story, someone could have recognized Danny was going through this or that, and it could be, you know, the secretary out in some remote office that you have, that's who they're gonna talk to, that's who's gonna see, or the partner or whoever, they may not be the formal peer support team, but to understand what, what mental health struggles look like and challenges look like, and then not just understand what that looks like, but know actually what to do about it, how to have a conversation just to get the conversation started. Because just having that conversation is difficult, especially if you don't know what you're looking for or when to say something or what to say or how to say it. Or you may recognize that he's gone through trauma or that he's struggling or, or anybody's struggling in some way and not even know how to approach them. So we, to having everybody to understand that core, just the, the basic understanding of mental health and the challenges and so forth, I think, I'll repeat it again, is a brilliant idea. Mm, I like that. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to post that on Facebook. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, and on that note, though, so we, uh, to test some of this, we pushed um, the training out online ahead to some people across the state from lieutenants to troopers and, and a captain. And the feedback has been really good so far. What'd they say right. about it? Um, I want to hear this now, Dan. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and, and all right. Your so, turn. since we're being nice to each other today, I'm going to be nice. <laughs> I, I challenged her on some of the things that I, I questioned, um, but that's how we operate. That's how we're hammering uh, out 
this initiative for us right now. So the last uh, person I spoke with, I believe use the words, and he, he's um, 50 years old, I believe, learned significantly about himself. Wow. All right. And, and this guy is not a member of the peer team, but I've recruited him. I want him to be on the peer team and has a major interest to come over and start working with us now. So that that was more than I expected. I didn't expect anything different. It was just more than I expected. Uh-huh. Fair? Uh-huh. <laughs> more than you expected out of a trooper to say yeah, he learned course. a lot about himself. An old himself. school trooper. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, he wasn't it, looking to self-reflect probably right. when he went into it. He's like, Danny asked me to do this. I guess I'll do it. Right. And that's, well, that's really, great. that's it. So that, that was a that was a glowing review then. Mm-hmm. It was. Little fist bump. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll go forward with from phase one okay. of the uh, peer training. We're going to launch the wellness app, and we, we talked about a little bit uh, about the app last last podcast. So the the actual app developer flew out here last week, and we went through some more details on what I wanted from the app Um, because it's ever-evolving. And each app he develops for a company or for an agency, it's all first responder initiatives, they're mission-specific for that agency. So um, I think I briefly touched on it, but I have a TV. I I can't even remember where I woke up this morning, you know, so bear with me. Um, uh, But but. The, the wellness app, I'm just as excited about because we can have all this training initiatives and platform for our guys to educate themselves and, and be better, healthier um, men and women, spouses, troopers, all that. But then what? If there's no resource to follow up with and how, and that that's one of the biggest things that I get asked every week is, hey, what's what's our peer team about? What do you guys offer? How do we get in touch with you? What What are the resources available? So, again, that's where Amy's going to come in uh, to help me organize this part of it to actually apply it to the app. So it'll have an organiz- organizational chart of peer resources on the app um, with direct contact information to everybody that's going to be plugged in that can be a resource to all of our troopers and men and women. So, really excited about that. Also, I briefly mentioned their self-assessment test that one will be able to take once once a day, ten times a day, it doesn't matter, just to check your baseline to see, hey, where am I at this week in relationship perspective-wise to how am I feeling at work, how am I feeling at home, and if I hit a certain number, hey, I... I better reach out to somebody and figure out what's going on or at least have that opportunity to reach out to somebody to see what's going on. And and that's my whole goal with this is to get people talking about it. A a small team is not the fix for the whole state. And I mentioned that I I said, no one's coming to help you. And, And I really meant that. But what I mean by that to clarify is that I, I want this organization to be more, um, self-sustaining to take care of our own troopers, your partners taking care of your partners, not only just taking care of them, um, 
watching them, monitoring them throughout their career, um, you know, to, to, to check their baseline. Uh, and because it varies call to call, year to year. Um, so, so that's our goal with, with those two initiatives. We hope to have those both laid out running smoothly the first year. There's going to be hiccups with the, any tech, technical operation. There's, there's going to be issues, but um, as people just to, like, understand why we're really doing this. This, this is, I, I don't want to be looked at or I don't want people to look at this, and I know some are is like, oh, this is another BS class I got to take. Um, whether it be online or in person, and it's just stupid mental health. No, I could care less about any of that. And do I love this department? Yeah, I'm always going to be loyal to this department. But that's I'm doing this right now for us, for the people, not our department. And I made that very, very clear, even to this um, our, our new administration. I can't do this unless we have full support. And, and not only did I get maximum support, um, this chief commissioner is like not just talking. They're actually going to give me the resources to knock out what, what we've all talked about here. And, and I mean, unfortunately, you got to have money to, to move forward with this, um, no matter how many uh people you have committed to this program if you don't have the funding you can only do so much they understand that and they i'll just put it this way the 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 budget that's proposed for mental wellness is probably um if you were to go back 25 years if we had a peer team 25 years ago um i know i know it's been around a while i think you could could bind every year for 25 years and it wouldn't total the the one year amount that they're going to try to get to to tackle this problem and the reason why it's it's that important and the 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 thing i'm thinking of right now as i listen to you talk about the program the plan is um this is scary all right so you'll you'll never hear a trooper say that but troopers right now individually listening to this don't like the thought of reaching out for help because there is a security of not talking to anybody. So this is really edgy. What we're talking about is really edgy. We're, we're stepping out and confronting the problem and saying, listen, there is a problem here. You know there's a problem here, Trooper, and we're going to provide something to help. Absolutely. And, I, and that's the only reason I'm, I, I could care less about talking about myself. I don't like to talk about myself. But for this reason... Um, 100 percent. There, there's a lot. I, I've just been average pretty much my whole life when it comes to either shooting, fighting, driving. Um, I'm not that smart, but I've just always had a will and, and to like accelerate and work and accelerate and work to whatever I was trying to master and. And I have to look at all these, if I call them bad experiences, and yeah, they're, they were they're not all fun. There were some bad, dark, dark times um, as a result of some of these experiences that I went through. But it was necessary for to be here today. And that that's my whole goal, Eric, is to 
if I can step forward and, and get help, th- there's no excuse for. I, I mean, I, I thought I was the baddest thing out here for a long time, you know. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that. That's just the truth. The guys that ran with me back in the day, um, I just had a bad attitude, and that, you know, I, whatever, I, you know, I, I can do whatever I, I need to do to survive. Um, so the, the transformational side of that is this. If, if I can transform and me uh, being as self-reliant as I was, if I can reach out for help, anybody should be able to and understand that if I can do this, it's okay for anybody to reach out for help. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was having problems, the the actual – so my, my switch was my vest. When I put my vest on – I felt better. I felt in control. It was all of that. It, and so it was a like it was a mechanism to hide all the things that were going on. When I took the vest off, that's when I became human, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's when I would fall apart and be very destructive. But and so guys like, you know, guys like me, they feel that way. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to continue to work and push because that's the way I suppress it until you can't suppress oh, yeah. it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and so I think this is so valuable. Just working with guys in the field and seeing it, this is going to be you – know, this, is, this is proactive. And oh, that's absolutely. something that Sarah and I talk about so often that sometimes the patrol is very reactive and we're behind. Well, it's, and, it's just not the patrol. It's, it, when it comes to mental wellness, and Amy can uh, back me up on this, this is across the country. It's been reactive. Yes. I'll wait till somebody shoots themselves. Wait till somebody – Yes. I mean, look look what happens, and I'm not just dogging on our department, but because both her and I get to go out across the country and work with agencies, a lot of time it, it, it comes in after the fact of a guy gets in trouble and it's punitive action versus trying to figure out, hey, why is this guy having problems on the side of the road with the public? Yeah. Why is he reacting this way to his supervisor? There's a problem uh, that's there, but we just choose not to dig into it. But I think with the, a lot of the ideas the commissioner has and the chief, and they're willing to listen. And one, they, they understand and they, they want to understand more. But with uh, the help of Amy and I bringing this to them, I'm like, hey, we can better evaluate people ahead of the problem. Uh, for instance, one thing that I, I hope we can plug into our yearly evaluations is that an evaluation of our people not just hey you're writing 10 tickets a year or 10 tickets a month or 10 tickets a day okay how are you doing as a person yeah how are you doing as a person as a human being and we're we're, we're not doing that we're just checking boxes and and i i, I know that's going to be looked at but it's so it, it's a full encompassing transformational program that Amy's Amy's company is going to be really involved in going forward. And Amy, you've been doing this a while. I mean, yeah. can you see the, the change over time, how things are moving? It's yeah. especially on a positive end, how we're starting to look at it holistically like, you know, we go to the yeah. doctor when we're sick. Yeah, and so sure. this is something we need to look at too. Yeah. So I've had Academy Hour four and a half years. And when I started it, um, I was doing training and stuff before that. But when I actually incorporated this company started this full-time 
um, I was kind of trying to find departments who were willing to talk about mental health. Just over the past four and a half years, I've seen that it's changed to where it's not like, oh, you guys have a mental health program. It's now like, what do you mean you don't have a mental health program? Like, there's a need, and it's just, that's four years. I mean, that's not a very long time to make such a significant stigma change to make it where, because I'll have departments call me and say, well, we had, just this morning, I had, I got an email. You know, there was, we had a suicide in the chief of this little department, whatever. Um, we're, We're trying to support them. Can you help? And so... It, they wouldn't have four, four years ago reached out. They would have said, we've got this, we can handle it. You know, and I try to explain it like a mass casualty incident. If you say, either as a person or as a department, um, we have some, you know, a tornado come through here, and we only have so many resources available. You only have so many cops. You only have so many, you know, par- paramedics, ambulances, and hospital beds yeah. and all this stuff. You don't say, well, we've got this. We're not going to call in. You'd be like, we're calling in everybody. Everybody from all the outlying states, everybody needs to come in. And you don't go, we're embarrassed to ask for that. You just know that's what you've got to do to accomplish the mission. Same thing with mental health. We, as human beings, have so many resources within us as a person, each person. Why would you not reach out and say, hey, I've my limit is reached. I need someone else's resources. Or as a department, say, well, we only have this inside. We only have two counselors. We only have, we don't have counselors or whatever it is. Why would you not bring in and handle it the same as you would an MCI? Because it's, you have these many resources. You're not going to be like, well, you know, it's embarrassing to ask. It is embarrassing because you're sharing something personable, personal, and you're making yourself vulnerable. But those resources are everywhere. Why would you not want to make yourself a better person and make your department a better department, make your workforce stronger rather than telling them to suppress everything and knowing that at some point something's going to explode? Right. Yeah. And you talked about the counselors, and I know that's part of the, the plan, too, is to bring, you know, have more counselors available. But your counselors are specifically trained yes. to deal with first responders. Yeah. Talk a little about that. Yeah. So I started that well, as I was working with departments, working with officers, primarily officers, but responders, I kept saying, you know, you should go see a counselor. And all I kept hearing was hell no, I'm not going to go see a counselor. I learned why. Um, there's all of these, lots of reasons. But uh, one I just kept hearing the theme was, well, I, um, they don't get me. They don't let me bring my firearm. Firearm. They don't let me cuss in a session. They, they don't understand me. And then I kept hearing officers saying things like, I would go four or five times, and the fifth time I would show up and they'd say, well, we, I need to refer you to a different counselor because your stories are traumatizing me. I mean, as a trooper, are you going to go oh. a second time? Fine. You're not going to go. You're going to be like, I tried counseling. It no, didn't you're work. probably right. going to get up and leave. Right, right, and as you should. So I started this program. I was like, okay, I, I'm trained as a clinician. I work with responders, and I have an online training company. So I started this online certification training program where the counselors go through, and they see, they hear real stories. They're videos of real officers and responders telling their stories. Um, we have hard videos that are really point of view um, walking up onto an incident, a difficult scene. I, I verbally walk them through, there's all these different methods, walk them through what it would be like and what the stories will be like. Because it's not only training them to, to understand what they're going to, what they need to understand with, with officers and responders, but to also vet them. So we have about a 50% graduation rate. 50% of them start it and go, this is not for me. And I'm like, that's what I want you to know I want you to find it out here in the training and not after you've got an officer in your in your office for right. four sessions. I want you to know now. So we, we train them to, to be okay with cussing, to, to understand the lingo, to to know when a firefighter comes in and starts talking about 
a quint. They know, you know, they know what that is. I mean, they're not like, wait, stop you, stop your story. I need to understand. They they understand the culture and they understand the language. They understand the specific trauma, but not just trauma. They understand the all the struggles. The you know how they'll come in and say, okay, I'm drinking a whole lot. Um, my spouse and I are getting divorced, and you know I don't sleep well. A normal counselor with a normal civilian client is going to be like, wow, you've got serious problems. The responder comes in and says that they're going to be like, okay, you and all your buddies, let's fix it. You know, they're going to they're going to know that that's kind of a, a normal response. That they're all you know, after you get a while where you've been suppressing everything, you're going to start drinking or you're going to cheat on your spouse or you're going to have all of these problems. You know, that those are, okay, you had no other outlet. Now let's fix it so you don't have to use these negative coping skills, you know, but they don't overreact. They don't call the department and and report them and that sort of thing. So they can walk in and say that they're feeling suicidal and they're like, okay, you're going through a lot. I get it. And and they actually get it and they can actually just help at that point without having to go through all the trying to understand thing. Like I train them to already understand, prepare them for everything they might hear. That's awesome. And you said they actually do ride-alongs. Yes. They're mm-hmm. required to do a ride-along as part of the program. Mm-hmm. I've I've done so many. that That is the best learning experience, I think, for oh, somebody yeah. who's not in it. One, you learn. If, if you go in and say, I'm here to learn. I'm not here to, like, we're not having a therapy session in the car. I'm not here for that. Um, I want to learn. And so I went in with that attitude every single time and and learn as much as possible but they're also getting to talk that's an intimate space i think in a car Mm -hmm. like i used to take my kids in the car when they were in trouble because they couldn't walk away they couldn't leave the room and slam the door you're not facing each other so it's you know you're you're talking more easily and they will and in some of them in the middle of the night you're driving around and it's dark they will share and and in my my question is typically like i'm sure there's a story that really sticks with you how do you handle it and they either say, I don't, I don't think about it, or they'll tell me the story. And I, I feel bad. I mean, I've made many officers cry in, on a ride-along, but it's just because they haven't had the opportunity to share. And then all of a sudden, it's okay. And they talk about it, and you're like, okay, we can get you some help. Like, this is this is solvable. It's all solvable, and you can actually live a healthy, balanced, happy, good life and still be an officer and get through it all. So hope if nothing else yeah that's great you know and that's what i missed out on because when things started going south for me i'm like i didn't know what to do there there was no training you know and and i think i mentioned it in the last podcast i just i kept remembering the one thing that I, i told both of you that one of the stupidest things that was ever told to me in the highway patrol academy it was like oh don't th- don't take this personal and you know that that i think that messed me up even more when i started taking it personal and i just there was no there was no education then yeah. uh, about what was wrong what was right and um you know what what do we do then we just we automatically assume the rest uh, the worst we try to fix ourselves and fix ourselves. Yep. That makes it worse and worse. And finally, it's a train going down so fast. It's just, it's it's going to crash. And, you know, I, that's what I took away from the, the training that I've started exposing myself to since 2018 was like, not, not everything's preventable, but a lot of it is. And that's, you know, I'm like, okay, we, we can truly make some change. Um, if, if people want change, you know, can't force this on anyone. I get that no more than you can force 
uh, wanting someone to stay alive in a gunfight and to take that training serious when we go out and train. You can't force that on you. You have to be willing to receive it just like this. And that's why I want people to know how open I am about this. And I'll talk to anybody one-on-one about it um, at any time. Uh, Just, you know, if there's questions. I don't think anybody can question my sincerity for keeping our people alive. You know, I'll stop on the way home and go get in a gunfight with whoever that needs it. I'm still willing to do that. And I'm willing to do this part of it as well. That the, the gunfighting, the fighting, the driving and all that, that's just such a small part of your career. Small part. But it's made to be a huge part when, in fact, I mean, the day-to-day grind of being a cop out here and just a first responder in general, that's, that's the hard part. Every day, grind. And, but like she said, this, a lot of this stuff is preventable if we kind of start being intentional about you know, this, this education and, and understand that, that side of it. So this is kind of public-private partnership. Like, DPS has never done anything like that before. I don't know of any agency doing exactly anything like we're about to go do. Yeah. So I, I, I'm really excited about that part. I'm not afraid to fail. Um, I, there's really no rule books on this. So... That's why I want Amy involved because I know she's always been objective to me, calls me out when I need to be called out. I need that. This program needs that. If, if we're doing something that is not effective, we're going to alter the course, do something different. It's too important to fail. So I, I'm never going to be like, oh, this is the way we got to do this, and this is Danny's way. No, this is not about me at all. If that was the case, I would have rode this – next three years out in Troop Z and just had a nice, quiet exit out of this agency. That's not the plan. I don't like to be quiet. I was about to say, (laughs) Danny doesn't have a nice, quiet exit plan to anything. (laughs) But, uh, so, I don't know if this is the right time to talk about it. I really don't want to go too far past year one. There's there's a lot more to this plan, and she can touch on it. I just don't want to... It's year-to-year funding, right? right? So... 99% 99% sure year two is going to happen, and it's really exciting. It involves our spouses. Uh, some people may not like that, but it's going to happen. But it's for the short term. So I just got back from Florida uh, last week. I went out and met with um, a couple of guys. It's going to be uh, – I'm going to bring them out here occasionally for some conferences just for the patrol. Then – then I'm going to move them around to specific groups in the patrol to really get directional impact on them. But the other part, the main reason I went out, let me back up. So I went to the commissioner and the chief, and I told them, yeah, I'm in long-term plans. I want to have a wellness center for first responders. But I said, right now, we, we, we're still having problems every day. They're, those are not going away. We, but we need to be able to treat people, have a safe place for people to come to the mental wellness uh, program, um, the division, to get help, to get assessments, to get a plan. There's no way, there's no physical place right now. So they asked me, they're like, okay, what do you need? I'm like, I want an off-site office. 
So we're working on that right now. We're getting really close to locking that in. It'll be somewhere in Oklahoma City area for now. Completely off-site. Um, it's going to be by appointment. So people are not walking in on other people. There's not going to be brass hanging out over there ever. Um, not saying brass can't come because they're more than welcome to come. But they're just going to have to make an appointment like everyone else. So we're going to offer several things in there. One is a safe place to come in and have a peer evaluation. And two, a safe place to have a, a consultation or a visit with a counselor. Uh, the other part of this is this treatment bed that I'm going to, I've, I've about got it locked in. This um, sounds amazing, by the way. Oh, hey. So this, this treatment bed, I was skeptical. And I am of most people, especially all objects, right, till I get my hands on it. I lay down in this bed. They walk me through it. They're like 20 minutes in this bed. It's going to equal four hours of REM sleep. Okay. I'm like, all right, whatever. They put my headphones on. They black out my, um, my vision. So it's complete darkness. These, um, this bed starts to come alive and it's high frequency, low frequency, uh, pulses that are coming through your body. Uh, in sync with this music and they designed it this way and I I don't remember anything other than the guy walking back in and I told him I said just give me 15 minutes because we were on a time crunch like just 15 minutes to come back in here and he, he came in opened the door touched my leg and I I had no idea where I was at I was drooling everywhere <laughs> I got up I was ready to fight at first I'm like <laughs> where am I at number one and and I'm like started coming back I felt amazing and keep in mind I only had like two or three hours of sleep the night before to go to Florida um, I, I told the guy that took me there Doug Monda I was like we got back in the truck and I'm like man I think I could run back to Orlando right now I feel really good alright my body felt good my mind felt good I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they drug me or something. But <laughs> it felt great. Yeah. Okay. So, so I got, I got just keep on this bed. And I'm not saying it's a one all solution, but I don't sleep that well. And most first responders don't right. that 15 minutes on that bed. Um, I got stuck in Miami that night and lay over and I just started working on my laptop. I worked on my laptop the whole flight home after midnight Everybody else on the plane was passed out, except for me. And I, I felt great the whole time. I'm like, I, I, no, I don't get that level of sleep on a normal basis. So what I want to do with that bed, long story for this, I want to get one bed in place. So guys, when they come to Oklahoma City, can call me. He's like, hey, Danny, put me down for 20 minutes on the bed. All right, you know, and we'll log you in. Come up there. Work, work, work the magic on the bed for 20 minutes. Do a quick peer evaluation if you want, and kick you out the door. And I, that alone, I lowered my blood pressure, my heart rate, everything. And, and that's what I want to start doing. I want to, I want to gauge um, people's BP, uh, pulse ox. 
uh, heart rate, everything, um, as they come into office, talk with them a little bit, get them on the bed, then take, um, you know, post-assessment test as well. How's it affecting everyone? Um, but if it's half as good as it was for me, I mean, I, I want one of these at home. <laughs> it was amazing. And you're laying in a zero-gravity position. So my goal for that is I want four or five at the wellness center when we get it built, hopefully. But, you know, I would like to see one at the academy. I would like to see one at every troop headquarters if that's possible. Um, but, I mean, they are expensive, but I'm looking into some grants also for them. Uh, but it's just that's one thing I've always fought was sleep. And I know I'm not the only one. It, it, it's just hard. It's hard for me to lay down at night. And I, I know it is for our men and women out here still grinding. Have you ever laid in one of those? I have not, but it sounds awesome. Sleep deprivation is horrible for oh, you. She doesn't yeah. sleep either. I, I don't. I don't That's either. Why I was like, I um, tell everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at sleeping. No, I'm terrible yeah. too. Yeah, yes. no. And first responders as a whole, like you said, sleep deprivation is one of the common traits and also causes a whole lot of problems. Go Physical into that. Problems. Mm -hmm. Talk about the all the effects it, it causes so i mean just imagine a day when you're tired just just simply tired your your mood is not as good your responsiveness is not a good you guys troopers have to be responsive you have to have clarity you have to make good decisions you have to be rational all of those things go out the window when you're sleep deprived but it also can cause diabetes i mean it can cause all sorts of physical ailments as well and the REM sleep that you get when you get a good night's sleep when you wake up with clarity, it's because you had REM sleep. If you're not waking up with clarity and you're just waking up still tired, you probably didn't. REM sleep processes the things that happen to you during the day, a lot like EMDR. So it processes trauma. If you're not processing the things that happen to you during the day while you sleep, which is when that's supposed to happen, it all just stacks up and clogs up and makes a big mess in your brain. And then you go to respond to something, you're responding with that in that state of mess. You're not responding from a state of clarity and good rational decision making and calmness. And you're, you're just acting on default. And if your default at that point is kind of jacked up, that's how your actions are going to come out. Sleep deprivation is horrible in so many ways. Anything that solves a responder's sleep problems and gets you REM sleep is amazing. I mean, it's going to fix a, a whole lot of things. It's not going to fix the, the trauma and all of that stuff, but but you, you're going to react better, live better, feel better, be more productive, have more clarity, make better decisions, all sorts of things just by getting good sleep. Well, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, since we're, I mean, I've aired everything out from sticking a gun in my mouth to everything else I've done. That's how I would go to sleep with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a couple of drinks, you know, what I started out with would turn, finally turned into a whole bottle every night. But th that's how I would finally get the power down to go to sleep. Or, you know, um, you know, I, pills are the same way. And, and I mean, anything to get you to that point to where I, I just got to get two to three hours of sleep and you'll do whatever you got to do at some point when you when you're not sleeping to do that I mean you're that deprived but that's what we that turns into very dependent state of, and that's just not the road to go down that solves nothing except short term and it's the bed is just one answer to that um because counseling, with the counselor, not, it's not for everybody. 
Wouldn't you agree? It's also not a fast process, and you guys are like, I need something fast. Right. You know, the 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 sleep thing is great, but I mean, you've got to you've got to solve the actual problem, and the reason you, you know responders but officers tend to do the drinking and the if you get an on-the-job injury and you're giving a painkiller and all of a sudden you take the painkiller and you were able to sleep you're like well hell i want that again yeah you know and that's how they become it's not that somebody wants to become a drug addict it's that you're doing whatever works and that's all those poor coping skills it's drinking it's it's taking that painkiller or that sleep whatever it is and then having your the way addiction works is your brain tries to fill that hole and makes it tries to recreate the first time you experience that and it takes more and more and more and more to recreate that first feel-good experience whatever that is but it's all those poor coping mechanisms it's it is whatever feels good at the moment that makes you either feel better relax a little forget about all the not think about all the things so the common poor coping skills are drinking that that medication whatever it is um, cheating on the spouses, gambling, spending money, all of the things that in the moment make you go, oh, okay, I feel better for the moment. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, now I have new problems. Am I allowed to cuss on here? <laughs> now I have new problems. Sorry. Too late. We can take that being out. myself here. <laughs> um, yeah, then you have all these new problems because they're short-term what feels like solutions, but they're causing long-term problems. And it requires more and more and more and more in order to get that initial experience where you did, I'm tapping on the table, where you did feel better and you have to, you're trying to recreate it because nothing else, you're not going to counseling or you're not solving the actual problem. And so to solve the actual problem is, is what is going to fix everything, but it's not a fast process. I mean, counseling is not something you go twice. First of all, you go twice and you're still doing intake. You're still kind of filling out the counselor, trying to see if this is somebody I trust takes three or four times to actually build a rapport enough to start sharing and that could be three or four weeks it could be four five six weeks however long it takes to get in there by the time you're down to talking about what actually happened and let's say there's just one thing that's a couple months into counseling that's not an immediate solution and that one session isn't going to fix everything you have to you have to process and processing is a is a time thing i mean it takes time to process and to heal Think about healing from anything. It takes time. So it, it, it is a solution, and it is the best solution, but it is not the immediate one-time solve-it-all kind of thing. Like, you've got to be in for the process. Right. Well, you guys have some really exciting plans, and I know, you know, OHP will be hearing more about this as this moves along. And um, But, you know, we're excited to see it, and I know a lot of people in this department are excited to see it, and you're doing some great things. Well, and on the office itself, on the – wellness division office when i do when i'm getting close to getting it locked in and get it opened up i'm going to push out info and i'll probably run it through you guys because i want people to start using it it's it's that's what it's there for thank you both for coming on the podcast we appreciate your time thank you